0: All right, all right, well, one of the things that Heather and I were able to do while we were there is hang out a little bit with Malthus and Chris and just kind of process everything that they experienced while they were here and kind of see where they were in the acceptance of the invitation that we gave them to come back and spend at least a year here with us, helping us, training us, equipping us. And Malthus said, uh, well, you know, I've already started talking with some of my employers because Malthus works about five different teaching jobs. So I started talking with them and letting them know that in 2024 we're going to be stepping out because our intention is, is to move to the state of Florida and serve there with the church that the Lord has kind of jailed us together with. And the last group that he talked to was his major source of employment, which is uh, teaching at a state school. And when he told them that he was going to be doing this in 2024, they said, Well, Maltese, you are aware of the fact that you have been with us for 19 years, and in March you will complete 20 years of teaching with us for the state of Marignano. And the state, upon the completion of your 20th year, gives all of its employees one year paid sabbatical. (laughs) So he says, um, look, the only problem with that is I've got to teach until March, and I know we were thinking of coming there in January, so what do you think? I said, Malthus, I think we'd be foolish. (laughs) To cut you too much short of one years of, of pay and sabbatical. He said, yeah, because the deal is, if y'all want to run me off, he said, with this sabbatical, I can just come right back in at any time and pick up wherever I want to. So I said, well, that's good, because when we run out of money, we are going to run you off. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, I share that just to let you know. Um, it just kind of looks like God's in this, doesn't it? Now, we're not there yet. Because the visa process is enormously complicated. It is so complicated that we are probably going to have to get an immigration attorney to help us. That's how complicated it is. But we're going to keep walking in this direction as long as God keeps opening doors like this. So anyway, just wanted you to know where we are. Now, Joshua chapter 5 is also where we are today, so I want you to know that. So find in your copy of God's Word, no matter what the medium is or what the media is, uh, Joshua chapter 5. Uh, there is a typo. It's not, we're not going to start in verse number 12, but we're going to start in verse number 13. So here we go. Now, you know we've been preaching through Joshua now for some time, and here's what has happened. Moses died. Joshua was kind of appointed as leader. He's the commander-in-chief. Uh, He has led them to cross the Jordan miraculously as God stopped the waters. They entered into the land. They realized that their holiness and their walk with God was more important than their military preparedness. So the Lord led them to back up and get some things right. Uh, They uh, observed the uh, commandment of circumcision. They observed the Passover And now there's something large looming in front of them. Their first military engagement, and that is the walled city of Jericho. So they're staring down the battle, down the barrel of Jericho, with no military experience at all. And this is a great fortified city. So now we pick up in verse number 13 of. Joshua chapter 5, here's what God's Word says. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather indeed, I come now as captain of the host of the Lord and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him what has my Lord to say to his servant And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy and Joshua did so well you know really what this passage boils down to is the contrast between these two characters. We have on one hand Joshua, and then we have on the other hand this mysterious and somewhat unidentified uh, person who says that he is the captain of the Lord's army or the Lord's host. And anytime you have a contrast between two characters like this, you can imagine one of them is going to give us some positive things that we should emulate and the other maybe not so much. But I don't want to throw Joshua under the bus here because there are some things that he did right. But nonetheless, I think what we have here is a basic failure to communicate for several reasons. And you can just kind of see here how the answer that was given doesn't fit the question. And it's not that the answer was bad, but maybe it was the question that was bad. And maybe it was because Joshua was a little bit out of step with the Lord at this time. And maybe they were just on two different pages. And I can understand why that dynamic was set up. Hey, because number one, it happens to me more times than I would like to say. I mean, how many times have you just got out of bed in the morning... And felt like after you had been about your daily routine for an hour or two that the best course of action you could pursue is going and getting back in bed. Because it seems just everything is out of sync, everything's out of kilter, everything you touch seems to fall apart. You just can't make any progress at all. Now, I have those days quite often. You guys probably don't, right? But nonetheless, I think that's kind of what was going on here with Joshua. And there's reasons for all of that. And let's let this passage kind of unfold and set the stage for us as we look at these two characters as they come together, probably in the middle of the night, in a place around Jericho. So here we go. Well, Joshua was on a different page uh, from the captain of the host. of the. And by the way, who is this guy? Who is this mysterious figure? Uh, A lot of folk. Well, there's only basically three options. Number one, uh, he is an angel of the Lord. Uh, Number two, it is the pre-incarnate Christ. Or number three, it's what's known as a theophany. Now, if you've never heard that word, write it down. T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. Theophany. Theophany. And we have them quite often in the Old Testament and a theophany is just some sort of visible representation of the presence of Yahweh God Himself. Now personally, I for number three, I'll give you some reasons maybe a little bit later but nonetheless we can see that this is some type of divine representation and we can see that from Joshua's response. Mainly because of the fact that Joshua fell to the ground, he bowed down and he worshipped. Now, that right there precludes response number one. It can't be an angel because did you, read, did you see the passage that Haley read this morning? John fell down before an angel and was going to worship and what did the angel say? He said, quit that mess. <laughs> what are you doing? Get up. I'm a servant just like you are. Don't worship me, worship God. But now whoever this person is does not forbid worship, which is an indication that this is a divine representation of the Lord Himself. So here we go. What was going on here? Why was Joshua on a different page? Uh, Why were things kind of out of sync in these particular verses? Well, I think we can see that things were out of sync because Joshua had been promoted but he had not yet been proven. He'd been promoted, but not yet been proven. Now, he was already given the exalted position of commander-in-chief of the nation of Israel. But guess what? He had not been battle-tested. So all the soldiers are saluting him. Everybody is looking to him for leadership. But Joshua had never been as commander-in-chief in in a military conflict in his life. So, that tells me a couple of things. It tells me, number one, that Joshua was probably preoccupied with this task. Preoccupied with this task of conquering Jericho. That's all he could think about. As a matter of fact, uh, this scene really paints a picture for us that here Joshua is, he's probably pacing the floor. Because he knows that Jericho is in front of them. He knows that he's commander-in-chief, but he'd never done that before. You see, again, he had been promoted to a position, but he had not yet been proven. Have you ever been there? Man, I can remember years ago when I was uh, uh, pre-preacher days, I was employed as a firefighter at Guport Fire and Rescue and I was recruited by the EMS division to move from combat firefighting over into EMS. So I accepted and I went over there and man after a uh, good night, after a couple years of class work and school, after countless hours of clinicals and, uh, and ER and after doing no telling how many hundreds of thousands of chest compressions on a dummy? Wait a minute, a mannequin. I don't want to insult the the mannequin. (laughs) After doing a whole lot of chest compressions on a mannequin, I had now passed and I was ready to go. So sure enough, the chief moves me from where I am to a paramedic truck. I go in every third day to work a 24-hour shift and here's my prayer every day I go in. Oh dear God, please don't let us have a full arrest on my shift. Whoever's been eating too much fried chicken and greasy food, let them hold out one more day until I get off. (laughs) And that was my prayer because I had been promoted, but hear me, I had not been proven in that position. And I was scared to death for my first full arrest. Well, sure enough, one night about 9 o'clock, call comes in. It's a signal 53, cardiac arrest. We get on the scene. Sure enough, the guy's laying on the floor. Dead gummit, no heartbeat. He's not breathing. So here we go. But, you know, miraculously at that point, training just kind of kicked in and took over. And the guy died, but it was a perfectly ran code. <laughs> and isn't that all that matters, huh? Yeah, I mean, he died, but the code was perfect. It was textbook. We did everything just like we were supposed to do it. I mean, you teachers understand. It doesn't matter if your students are, 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 are learning anything as long as they pass that standardized exam, right? Right? I mean, so you kind of get the picture. You know what I'm talking about. But yeah, uh, after that, now hear, hear, hear me. After that, after I had went through my first full arrest, ran it like it's supposed to be ran, man, I felt like I could handle anything. You know why? Because not only had I been promoted, but I'd been proven. Now, let me stop right there. Knowing the extreme weight of that I think this is the reason why so many people are afraid to step up spiritually God's been doing something in your life but you know as soon as you make that known the next thing is you're gonna have to be you gonna have to prove it right huh I, I remember the same thing when the Lord called me to preach I was I, I was really kind of afraid to let folks know that God called me to preach because I knew if I said God's called me to preach my pastor Dr. Craig Conner was gonna say all right then you're preaching And guess what? That's exactly what he did. When I made it known publicly, he immediately put me on the calendar to preach in three weeks. I didn't have a whole lot of time to enjoy my promotion. Hey, I'm a preacher. Before I had to prove that I was. But hey, listen to me. There's a lot of folk right here at Grace Church that God's gifted you. You know what I'm saying? He has promoted you but you're a little bit afraid to step out of the box and let that be known because you know once that's known, then you've got to be proven. Pastor Richie, God's given me the gift to teach. Wonderful. Brother Cliff, put them in the Sunday school rotation. And that's horrifying, is it not, Katie? It's horrifying. But guess what? Until you do it that first time, you're going to be constantly preoccupied and you're probably going to be out of step with the Lord You're going to be out of kilter. You're going to be worried. You're going to be anxiety ridden. It's kind of like you guys remember when you used to play football how you had butterflies the size of buzzards in your stomach until you had that first hit. Boom. As soon as somebody smashed you in your mouth, all the butterflies went away. And that's the way it is spiritually. So here Joshua is with butterflies in his stomach. He's out of kilter. He's preoccupied with the task. And he's walking... walking around that night now here's part of the reason why I know that he was preoccupied with the task because the scripture seems to indicate that he was secluded he was by himself you know isn't that what you do when you got something heavy on your mind you don't want to be with anybody you just want to get alone because really there's nobody who can meet your need except the Lord So here Joshua was. Not only was he secluded, but I think we can also say that he was also searching. And here's what a big task will do. It'll cause you to realize that you've got to have some help. So here Joshua was. The Lord had promoted him. And get this. If the Lord has promoted you, He does not abandon you at your station. He doesn't say, now here's this this big task for you to do. Now go and get it done. That's not what he does at all. So here Joshua is, to his credit, he is searching, searching, searching. And friend, if you are searching, if you are seeking, you are going to find. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 8, he said this. He said, to everyone who asks, receives. He said, everybody who seeks, finds. And everybody who knocks to Him, it will be open. I learned this acronym years ago. A-S-K. Ask. A-S-K. And it comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse number 8. The A is ask. The S is seek. And the K is knock. Y'all got it. So ask, there's your acronym. So hey, if you're preoccupied about it, if you're walking around, staying up late at night because there's something large looming in front of you, here's your word, ask. Ask, seek, and knock. And here old Joshua was. He was searching. And when you search, you find. We're going to look at what he found in just a minute. But not only do we see in this this dialogue that Joshua had been promoted but not proven, Therefore, he was preoccupied with the task. But he also had a problematic tactic, is what I like to call it here. A problematic tactic. And it has to do with his line of questioning. And let me show you why I call it problematic. Number one, because his question was poorly framed. It was poorly framed. And 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 this is probably why the answer that the captain gives doesn't match the question. You see, there's a time when you ought to ask open-ended questions, but there is also a time when you ought to ask a good closed-ended question. And a closed-ended question simply requires one response, yes or no. But Joshua kind of, kind of, Puts an, an amalgamation of close and open-ended together and the answer that we get really doesn't match the question that he asked. Did you notice that when we read the text? And it's because, not because the answer was out of step, but it's because the question was out of step. So Joshua says, notice what he says in verse number uh, 13. Joshua says, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said No. See, it reminds me, Heather does this to me a lot of times. She'll give me a closed-ended question, but give me two options. So neither yes nor no fits the, fits the. Uh, yeah, that's right. So I, I'll normally say, re-ask the question. I, I like to play attorney with Heather. Yeah, that's right. I like to play attorney. Uh, counsel, please restate the question, please. <laughs> that goes over real well. But, but here, it's, not, it's usually something like this. Would you, like, would you like hamburger or chicken fingers? Uh, wait, wait, just stop at that first one. Would you like a hamburger? Yes. See how much easier that is? Because you, you want a hamburger and I'm already saying yes and she's saying her chicken fingers and I'm still saying yes. She said, which one? I said, yes. <laughs> and that's kind of what Joshua did here. You see, he, he, he's, he, he's out of kilter. Best just to give one Man, when you're in need of information, one question at a time, please. Are you for us? Stop. Because if he said no, what would that automatically mean? Buddy, I better turn around <laughs> and start beating feet, right? So uh, his question was kind of poorly framed. And, you know, we need to think about our questions because here's a, here's, 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 here's a reality. Sometimes we don't get an answer because we didn't ask. Other times we don't get an answer because we ask wrong. Now look, that's not just me. Here's what what old brother James said in his epistle. James said this. James said, you have not because you ask not. And he said, sometimes you have not because you ask amiss. So doesn't it make sense that when we're in step with the Lord, we really know how to question Him? But notice, not only was this question poorly framed, but this question was also improperly focused. Improperly focused. And you can tell that by the answer that the Lord gave as opposed to the question that Joshua asked. Notice what Joshua does here. He, he asked him two questions, or really three, because one is a two part question, that complex amalgamation. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And then after the Lord addresses that, notice he has another question in verse number 14. What has my Lord to say to his servant? See, his, his question was improperly focused. Here's what Joshua was asking. Joshua was asking what? But get me, the Lord always wants to talk about who? Are you following me? if you know the who the what is irrelevant because here's what the Lord was saying Joshua was preoccupied about what to do in this battle but the Lord says I'm coming or, or this theophanic representation says I, I'm come as the captain of the Lord's army here's what he's saying you don't have to know the what because I'm going to take care of it So. Why are we so preoccupied about what? If we would just focus our questions on who? Hey, let me take you to Acts chapter 9. Do you remember when when Saul was headed down to Damascus to persecute the believers down there? And the Lord Jesus stood in front of him as he was on his horse going down the Damascus road and Paul fell to the ground? At least Paul asked the right question. Hear what Paul said. Who are you? You see that? That's the difference. And so many times we are preoccupied with what, 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 or how, how, how. And both of those questions pale in the fog of the answer of the question, who? Friend, of who's with you, it doesn't matter what you're facing. <laughs> I mean, ain't that the truth? So the question should have been more, who? Then what? Now, look here. That leads me right in to our exposition of this mysterious personage, the captain of the Lord's host. Because let's see what it is that he brings to this dialogue. We see that Joshua had been promoted but not proven. But notice, the Lord focuses on his position, not his plan. On his position, not his plan. Joshua asks a question, are you for us or against us? And he blows that off, no. And then he begins to talk about what? Who he is. And friend, that is very significant. You see, we want to talk about what? He wants to talk about who. We want to talk about a plan? He wants to talk about position. Hey, it's not a plan, it's a person matter of fact, I spilled a lot of ink in my doctoral dissertation over this idea right here. We even talk about salvation. We, we normally speak of it as a plan of salvation. But friend, God doesn't have a plan of salvation. He has a person of salvation. His name is Jesus Christ and He's the one that does the saving. Amen. And when we can focus ourselves not on a plan but on a person are not on a plan but his position. Hey, I want to tell you, that goes a long way in helping resolve whatever we're preoccupied with that we got to face tomorrow. Hey, you going into the battle tomorrow? Focus on the who and not the what. You know, we say this a good bit too. When I get to heaven, i got a few questions I'm going to ask the Lord. No, you're not. Because you're going to be so enthralled with who he is in his presence that all of your questions about what's just going to fade away because the what don't matter when you're in the presence of the great who (laughs) that's all there is to it now check this out the captain begins to talk about who i am look at this he just blows joshua's badly formed question off and he said no Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And look, there's several options for understanding that too because sometimes that refers to the armies of Israel. Other times in the Old Testament it refers to angelic beings. Other times in the Old Testament it refers to all the heavenly bodies in the celestial realm that God has created. But nonetheless, whoever this guy is, get this, He is the commander-in-chief of everything that is. That's the extent of His authority. He's the commander of it all. So check out what it is that He does. He focuses on His position, not His plan. Now, I put a star by this because, you know, sometimes I see things in Scripture that just blow my mind. And I've got to be honest with you, this blew my mind. And here's what normally is mind-blowing for us. When things are the exact opposite of the way we normally think. And that's usually the way spiritual truth is. Did you know that? Because we've been programmed by years of bad behavior under the influence of our flesh. So we've just got a pre-programmed way of thinking. But I want to tell you, when it comes to the Lord, most of time He inverts our pre-programmed way of thinking. He just does. So let me ask you a question. Here's our pre-programmed way. You ever been around somebody all they want to talk about is himself? Huh? I mean, I, I, have, I have actually learned to employ this tactic for my benefit. I've been trying to talk to some folks sometime, and I just can't get anything out of them more than a yes or a no. And I'm asking open-ended questions, and it's just yes or no. But you take folk like that, and you begin to talk, get them to talking about themselves, and suddenly they'll talk a blue streak. And we normally say, man, what an egotistical, prideful, self-centered person. But let's turn that around now in light of the captain here of the host of the Lord. And here's what blew my mind when I saw saw this this week. The most selfless thing God can do is talk about Himself. Now you see, when we talk about ourselves, that's selfish. But the most selfless thing, god can do is talk about himself why because if god didn't talk about himself we wouldn't know anything about him the only way we know anything about our great and wonderful and majestic god is because he has chosen to reveal himself to us in his word I mean, this book right here is God talking about himself. Man, I'd like to take exception with a few guys who are pretty scholarly. Uh, Right up in the very front of the MacArthur Study Bible, John MacArthur says, this is a book about you. No, it's not. This is God's self-disclosure. It's him revealing himself to me. Now, secondarily, it's a book about me because we only really identify ourselves in light of who he is but the most selfless thing God can do, you know why? Turn that around. If God was selfish, you know what He would do? He'd say nothing. He'd say nothing because then we wouldn't know a thing about Him. So when God's talking about Himself, it's the most selfless act that can ever be perpetrated anywhere, anytime, place, anyhow. It's the Almighty God Choosing, because He loves us so, to reveal Himself to us. And they can't nobody reveal God except God. Huh? So yeah, God talks about His position, not His plan. Now, in light of this, in light of the fact that the most selfless thing God can do is talk about Himself, I think these verses underscore that His desire is for us to know Him. Again, Joshua asks a question about what, and notice what he he says. He says in verse 13, or 14, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. By golly, if you know that, everything else that's worrying Joshua just immediately dissolves. Because now he knows who he's with. And can I say that Jesus picked up this same line of thought in the Gospels? As a matter of fact, He says this. He says, uh, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know the way. Did Jesus go to talking about how and what? No, He began talking about who. He said, I... Am the way. Just a few verses down the road in that same chapter, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough. Here's Jesus' response. Philip, have I been with you so long and you still don't know who I am? I think one of the most discouraging moments that he experienced was right there. Right there. I mean, can you imagine Jesus, the perfect Son of God, walking with them for three years and Philip still not knowing who He is? Hey, can you imagine folk being born again today for 40 years and still not knowing who God is? His desire is for us to know Him. As a matter of fact, John 17, 3, this is what Jesus said. This is eternal life that they may know. Wait a minute, did you hear that? He just defined eternal life as you and I knowing the one true God. He didn't say this is eternal life, going to heaven when you die. He didn't say this is eternal life, experiencing abundant life in the here and now. He said, this is the embodiment of eternal life, knowing the one true God. So how are you doing with eternal life? I'll never forget, I was teaching systematic theology in Brazil to a group of pastors and we were getting to that portion of theology proper that's all about God, His attributes, His characteristics. And before we got started, I said the boys, this is going to take us a couple of sessions, y'all will understand. But before we get going, pull out a sheet of paper. And I want you to write down everything you know about God. Here's what I want you to say God is. Boom. God is boom. My best students could only give me about eleven things. I thought, my, my, my. If I were to ask you to give me a page full of characteristics of your favorite soccer team, you'd still be writing. God's eternal purpose in saving us, salvation itself, eternal life, is that we'll know Him. I wonder if I told you to do the same thing today, pull out a sheet of paper. How long would you write? Or would it be a very short pop quiz? God's desires for us to know him check out number next not only is his desire for us to know him but he discloses himself according to our greatest need notice how he disclosed himself to Joshua what was Joshua's greatest need son he needed a conquering general did he not He needed somebody who would come in and mop up Jericho because he knew that he wasn't able to do it. It was a fortified, well-walled, well-defended, well well oiled machine. And this is just a bunch of ragtag Hebrews who just crossed over the Jordan River with sandals they've been wearing for 40 years. He needed some military help. And God is a master at disclosing Himself to us according to our greatest need. I mean just stop and think about it if you're hurting he's the God of all comfort if you're lost he is the way if you're in turmoil he is the peace of God that passes understanding if you're confused he's the wonderful counselor if you're hungry he's the bread of life if you're an outsider he is the door to the sheepfold if you're dying on the inside he is the resurrection and the life If you're sick, He's the bomb of Gilead, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. If you're in need, He's Jehovah-Jireh, the God who provides. If you're in darkness, He is the light of the world. If you're facing the impossible, He is the almighty God with whom nothing is impossible. If you're in need of wisdom, He's the all-wise God. If you're tired, He is our strength. If you're sad, He's our joy. If you're in need of protection, He's our shield, our refuge, our strong tower. If you need knowledge, He's Alpha and the Omega. If you're thirsty, He's the living water. If you feel like you've been forgotten, he's the God who sees. If you're lonely, he's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you're guilty, he is our righteousness. And if you're looking at a battle, son, he's the commander of the host of the Lord. And look here, that's the short list. I'm telling you it is. He's everything that we're not. That's what makes him otherly. That's what makes Him holy. That's what makes Him separated, high and exalted above all. Because everything that I'm not, He is. Everything that I need, He is. He is our all in all. So no matter what you're facing, listen to me. What is not what you need? Who is what you need? And His name is the Lord God Almighty. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus The Messiah. Check out number next. Here's where it gets a little sticky, huh? His desire is for us to know Him. He discloses Himself according to our greatest need. Hey, you know what that means? That means every task that God puts before you is intended to deepen your knowledge of Him. That's what it is. It's not about the task. It's about Him. And knowing Him more intimately through that task. Dane, have you got to know God more since you accepted the missionary call in your life? That's a, man, that's a, a looming task. It's not the what, it's the who. It's not the what you're supposed to be doing, it's the who is it that called you to do it. Because the who will help you get, done, get, get it done. Check out number next. His desire for us to know Him, He discloses Himself according to our greatest need. And He delights, therefore... He delights in putting us in new situations. Why? Why would God delight in putting us in new situations? And why do we resist that at all cost? But preacher, we've never done it like that before. <laughs> but we've never done this before. But I've never I mean we're scared of that. That seems to be the motto and the mantra of most Baptist churches. We've never done it like this before. Listen, God wants to put you in a new situation every day. He wants to put you... Can I Can I just say it like this? He wants to put you in a difficult situation every day. He wants to put you in a situation tomorrow that you can't handle without Him. Because if He puts you in one that you can handle without Him, you will. And you'll never learn the who if you do it yourself. So He delights in putting us in situations where we can experience a new facet of his identity that we would not have experienced or known in any other place. If you're flat on your back in an ICU tomorrow, God forbid, but if you are, listen to me, you can know God more intimately there and because of that than you could have if not. No matter what happens to you tomorrow, no matter what situation you're in, here's what God's wanting to do. He's wanting to deepen your knowledge of Him through the situation that you're encountering. Man, that puts things in a different light, does it not? And instead of saying, Oh God, why? We ought to shout out, Oh God, who? Who are you in this situation? And then we'll end up having a response similar to what Joshua had. He delights in putting us in new positions. Here's a thought. His desire for you to know Him is congruent with the difficulty of your circumstances. Again, His desire for you to know Him is congruent... Slash equal with the difficulty of your assignment or circumstances. God gives you a difficult task. Look out. He's wanting to disclose himself in a great and mighty fashion. He's wanting to disclose himself as all sufficient and abundantly above. Even more than we can ask or expect to handle Whatever it is that you're facing. So, God's desire for us to know Him is usually congruent with the difficulty of our assignment or our circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to whine because God never gives me the easy assignments, huh? I mean, I went to seminary with a couple boys. Hey, pastoring in Hawaii. A couple of weeks ago, that wasn't too good, was it? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I get the tough assignments. I get Cururupu, Maranhão, Brazil. But son, I want to tell you something. I've learned more about God in the tough and difficult assignments of life I think than I ever did in a seminary classroom. And look, I'm grateful to God for every professor that I had the privilege of sitting under. Some great ones. But there ain't nothing that'll deepen your knowledge of Him than when you're in a crux in a hard situation in life. Let me go one further. I don't know if I have ever prospered spiritually in the good, easy times of life. Son, you prosper spiritually in the tough times. That's when you learn who God is. And His desire is for us to know Him. i got to run. Check it out. The Lord focuses on His position, not His plan. The most selfless thing God can do is talk about Himself. And then the flip side of that is the most sensible thing we can do is focus on Him. I mean, check this out. Notice what it is that the captain said to Joshua verse 14 Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him what is my Lord to say to his servant he still hung on what and notice in verse 15 the captain is still focused on who not what the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua remove your sandals Remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And look, an angel don't have the ability to sanctify a sheep pasture. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing God said to Moses in that theophanic representation of the burning bush. You remember? He said, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground And Joshua. Moses did. Now stop and think about that. Moses was a shepherd. Ton of sheep around there. You know what sheep leave on the ground everywhere? Son God shows up, even sheep poop gets holy. Huh? It does. <laughs> if God can holify sheep poop, <laughs> there's hope for us. Are you with me? God's holy enough to negate all of your sin. He's holy enough to clean you up and to make you Holy. That's again why this is not an angel. This is the holy God of heaven, the thrice holy God who shows up and he wants to talk about me. Joshua, not what? Joshua says, What do you want me to do? What's your word for me? And he says, Take off your feet because you're standing, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. (laughs) And Joshua did. You know what that is? You know what? A recognition, when we begin to know God, you know what we do? We worship. We worship. I mean, first thing, Joshua was bowed down to the ground. Again, the captain accepted this worship. Not like an angel that says, don't do that, boy. He accepted the worship. Now, he says, take off your feet. And Joshua does so. A recognition of who God is always leads to worship. You know what it is? Why we want folks to know Him in grace? Friend, we'll never have anything but a superficial song service if we don't know the God to whom we're singing. But son, when we know Him, when we encounter Him in His Word, because He's disclosed Himself according to our greatest need, when we recognize His all-sufficiency, when we know the who rather than the what, the human response is worship. It always leads to worship. Now let me take this car and put it right back in the garage that I took it out of. Because you remember, up front, Joshua was preoccupied with this task. He was walking in the woods at night by himself, worried when he encountered the captain. Not only does recognition of who God is... Hey, the most sensible thing we can do is focus on Him. When we do, it leads to worship. And the second thing it does, it puts an end to worry. Puts an end to worry. Never again does Joshua have these kind of questions. Never again do we see recorded Joshua having these kind of sentiments. So one encounter with God took care of it all. And it's gone. It never comes up again. Joshua now knows who he is in light of who he is. And he knows that no matter what's in front of him, he can handle it. You see, here's how Joshua started out. Joshua started out frazzled, preoccupied, worried. And the Greek word for that means to be divided, to be fragmented. Joshua left this place more in line with the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness. No longer am I fragmented. No longer am I frazzled. No longer am I divided. No longer is my mind running a hundred different ways. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And by golly, he left that place that day whole. He left that place confident. He left that place having been in the presence of God and it changed his demeanor. Changed his countenance. Maybe changed... His future, all because he had an encounter with Yahweh. Here's what I'm saying to you today, Grace. I don't know what you're facing tomorrow, but I know the who you're facing it with. And that's all that matters. In Jesus' name, let's take our eyes off of our what, get it on our who, walk in step with Him. And stand back and be amazed at what he does in the next chapter of our life. Would you stand with me please? Father in heaven, thank you for the who that you are. And God, would you forgive us for being preoccupied so much of the time with the what, the when, the how. And would you just help us settle down knowing the who that's called us to himself. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that maybe walked in this place with their heart in the same condition as Joshua was. But God, You have disclosed Yourself to them and they're walking out differently. I pray for those today that You are indeed calling to something that's bigger than they are. I pray for those to whom You're calling to missionary service, to those whom You're calling to serve as pastors and church leaders, to those whom you have given the gift to teach to those to whom you have put in front of them things that seem larger than them I pray today is going to be the day that the who takes care of all the worry I pray for those who are here today that have never really ever been born again they've never had a life changing destiny altering encounter with Jesus Christ God may this be the day that you call them to yourself But whatever it is you've said God, in Jesus' name, may we focus on You, not anybody else, not anything else, and simply be obedient in light of who You are. We pray it in Jesus' name. Our worship team's leading us in a final moment of worship. If God's spoken to you today and there's something you need to do in light of who He is, if He's calling you to be a part of this church, if He's calling you to... Place your faith in Him and profess Him publicly today. No matter whatever it is He's calling you to. Know Him today. And you're stepping out and being obedient to Him. Dr. John Wilson's on the front row up here. Uh, Cliff Myers is right here pretty close. Caleb is right here. God spoken in Jesus' name. You just be obedient.